Hey guys, this is Ron. Do you like movies? Hey guys, this is Ragnar. Do you like alcohol? Hey guys, this is Stu. Do you like punishments? Hey guys, this is Chase. You want to hear me get alcohol poisoning? Hey guys, this is Lenny. Ever wonder what a spicy boner is? If so, come on down to Barrel H Flicks and give us a listen. This show is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find the other great shows on the network, head over to the Deluxe Edition Network.com. Hello and welcome to Deluxe Edition. I'm your host, Casey Shear, and joining me once again, Ray, the podcaster. What's going on, Casey? Hey, not much, Ray. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Looks like you're doing good over there. I'm always doing good, buddy. Yeah. We just got another killer interview, man. This uh, this interview, once again, amazing, amazing interview with Gary Davis, and we're going to get right into it here. I'm just going to run down a quick list. Gary, man, is so humble. When I first contacted Gary about doing the interview, he's like, I guess if you, you know, if you think it would be interesting, just a very quick rundown of some of the things Gary has done. Uh, He was the stunt coordinator on Viva Knievel, Step Brothers, The Artist, Bad Santa, The Lost Boys, Starsky and Hutch, Ghost. He was also the second unit director, which he will explain in the interview as to what the second unit director is for uh, U.S. Marshals, The Dukes of Hazzard, The Devil's Advocate, Terminator 2, Suburban Commando, Predator 2, Men at Work. He's done stunts on They Live, Roadhouse, Lethal Weapon 2, Escape from L.A., Independence Day, Predator 2, Speed, Problem Child. The Green Hornet, Thor, The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, and X-Men Days of Future Past. And that's just to name a few. <laughs> that's, you know, that's, a, that's a toe in the fucking pool compared yeah. to what this guy's done. Yeah. If you go on to his IMDb page, man, Gary Davis has done it all. And uh, before he was a, a stuntman in Hollywood, he was a daredevil. We get into all that. Yeah, which he explains. Once again, the difference between a, a daredevil and a stuntman, too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, like, we, we talked about it in an inter- interview, and you'll you'll see all this, but it's something that, you know, you don't ever think about when you're watching these movies because they do their job so well that it just makes it look, you know, they make it look like it's just supposed to happen. <laughs> Fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Gary, at the end of the, make sure you stick around to the very end of the interview. Gary takes us on a tour of his shop and uh, the, the stuff, the amount of stuff that he has is just so fucking cool, man. This was another incredible interview and uh, we're going to shoot you right over to that right now. Uh, Real quick. We are on the Deluxe Edition Network and you can find us at deluxeeditionnetwork.com with all the other shows. If you'd like to support the show, you can come over to patreon.com slash deluxe edition pod. Uh, you can get t-shirts over at whatamaneuver.net slash collections slash deluxe edition. And uh, the link will be in the bio. You don't have to type all this stuff in. And uh, our website is still deluxe edition dot show. Did I miss anything, Ray? Uh, actually, yeah, you can come visit me over on my other podcast, which is uh, Ten Cent Beer Night Podcast, and I am your host over there also. So, 
Come visit me over there too and buy my fucking shit too. So yeah, and speaking of uh, stunt man, make sure you check out Ray's last show, uh, <laughs> his newest show, because uh, on our last interview with Bo, oh, he did a little stunt stunt performing before the uh, before the episode. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, that was good shit. Yeah, <laughs> the, still hurts. <laughs> Ten cent beer night podcast. All right, man. Let's just get into the interview. All right, let's do it. All right. The audience might care. You got a lot of cool oh. stuff in here. Oh, well, thanks. What, yeah. Like I see I see up on the shelf there, that's the motorcycle from Captain America, right? That is. 1979 and 1980, I did the two movies uh, way back then. and I jumped that one off the top of Folsom Prison. Hmm. Holy shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> I push a button on the dash and it a shoot and a, a, actually a hang glider pops out of the top. And so I flew after the bad guy with a hang glider. <laughs> Hanging. <That's> motorcycle. <laughs> Gary, man, I was going through like when I emailed you and you were like, yeah, if you think it'll be cool, you know, I was going through your IMDB, IMDB page today. Oh, and I just want to, I just want to run down for our audience. Some of the stunts, that you've performed and uh, also you've been a director and a stunt coordinator on several films. So I'm just going to run down the list here and just name some of these uh, incredible movies that you've been involved with. So you've done stunts on X-Men days of future past, the amazing Spider-Man one and two paranormal activity, Thor, the green Hornet season of the witch. They live roadhouse, Lethal Weapon 2, Escape from L.A., uh, Encino Man, Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, and the Hollywood Knights. And the the reason I bring up Phantom of the Mall is I want to talk about that quick. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we're friends with Air, uh, Gregory Scott Cummins. Oh, no kidding. And I, have, I actually have it here. And I think he might have signed this. No, he didn't sign this one for me, but... Do you have any good uh, Greg stories? Do you remember working with Greg? I do, but um, I don't know if I have any great stories that involve him, really, because my concern was always just getting the stunt people to do what they had to do. Uh, yeah, I I, <laughs> I directed the second unit on that. And so, you know, we were doing things like slide cars around in the parking lot of the mall and hitting guys <laughs> while they were running and stuff. So, And then we flew a guy... A, you know, he did a, a swing across from one side of the mall to the other up in the second or third story, whatever it was. And it was just it was just a fun, nice atmosphere because it's, you know, climate controlled in there. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I got a quick question about that because you brought up a term second unit director. Right. The, okay. Does that oh. mean like you're the one who's responsible for the dangerous shit that the real director doesn't want to be in charge of? Mostly. Um, so I have my own crew, like let's take Terminator two, for instance, it was costing Jim Cameron a quarter of a million dollars a day. And it was costing my unit about 125,000 a day. So, I mean, that's how much we spent a day on that making Terminator. So I would go out with a full crew, six full camera crews. He would probably have two cameras maybe three on the first unit and I would have my unit out with 
six cameras and, you know, 60 to 70 people <laughs> and, wow. uh, that were just the stunt people, you know, and then I had, you know, all my crew members and stuff. So, um, it, the only way we could get it done. And quite honestly, when he interviewed me for the job, he said, okay, I want you to be my stunt coordinator. And I, and the studio is insisting that I hire a second unit director. And so, um, I like what you did on against all odds, especially, you know, and, and FX two. And he, he liked this few of my movies as a director. And, uh, and he said, so I'm picking you. He said, however, you should know that I don't plan on using one foot of your, of your footage. <laughs> <laughs> Am I still getting paid? But Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, he didn't want to turn over any of the show. And, uh, uh, but we could not have made a July 4th release if, if, if not, if there weren't two crews going, whether it was me or somebody else, <laughs> they needed somebody doing it no matter what. And uh, my preference when I'm directing is for me to be the coordinator because I set my cameras according to what I know the stunt's going to be. And um, the first day in those days, we had dailies because it was film and it would go into a bath that night. And come back exposed, and they would, we would all meet after work the next day. So we would see whatever we shot the day before. And so, um, you know, there'd be 20 or 30 of us, depart- there'd be department heads and, and a couple different camera people and all that kind of stuff to see everything. So I, I go in for dailies, and a lot of my stuff is what they call MOS, it's without sound. And, um, if I'm just doing a bunch of car stuff and things, they don't sync the sound. They just show it uh, silent. And and quite honestly, no matter how exciting your footage you might think might be in silent, it sucks. You don't hear getting <laughs> tires. You don't hear revving engines. Nothing. You know, no screaming people as they dive out of the way. So uh, his stuff all played, and then the slate started coming up where it said director Gary Davis, and he picked his chair up and turned it around to his editor who was behind him and they started talking about which ones of his things to print, you know, cause you'd see two or three takes of each thing. And he'd say, okay, I want that one printed and that one printed and let's cut it here. So kind of half-assed expecting that to happen. I took a, a ghetto blaster in there and I turned some rock music up way loud and my stuff came on. So there'd at least be something going on. It had nothing to do with getting tires, but uh, and, and we, we knew that we planned some really good stuff for the first day so that we would impress the studio. But I, of course, had to impress him. <laughs> so the other everybody out in the room is cheering and, and making all kinds of great comments and making my ego feel really good, actually. <laughs> and he would he looked over his shoulder a couple times. And then uh, after a few things went by, he picked his chair back up and turned around and watched the rest of my dailies. But I still, at that point, wanted out of the room. So when it all ended at the end, and I got up and I, I had my assistant with me and my assistant director with me, and, and we start walking, we start to go out to talk. And as I get out the door, a hand grabs me by the shoulder and says, Gary? Well, I was pretty sure God was talking to me. I didn't, I didn't know what. So I turn around and, and Cameron gives me a little piece of paper and it's got two or three things on it. and says, try and get these shots tomorrow too. Ooh. So the, the reason I lasted 
the whole show was because I hardly ever saw him. I had every single day I was somewhere else with my crew. So I do. Yes, we do most of the action. But there'll be times when I was in Ecuador with Taylor Hackford and he had to be in a second location part of the day. And so he would get all that he could get. And then when it came time that he had to get over there or he's going to lose the next location, he would just hand me the stuff and go, okay, finish up here. I got to go. He'd take <laughs> off. And so I'd be left with five or six actors and, and direct the rest of the day for him. Nice. Wow. So how did you get from, uh, we have, I mean, there's so much to cover, but how, how did you go from stunts to directing? Okay. I started in 1973. The uh, CBS, a company called Viacom, called me and said they had a television pilot they were going to do called Evil Knievel. And that a young actor named Sam Elliott was going to play Evil. And they needed someone that would jump 20 cars while they blew both the ramps up. They checked around in Hollywood and there wasn't anybody who really wanted to do it. It all in one. They wanted to do it all in pieces. And because, you know, I had traveled the world doing that for the last couple of years up leading up to that, I uh, it didn't sound that god awful. So I agreed. <laughs> and I came to uh to Hollywood. And I you know, after my after that first show, I uh I quit being a daredevil and became a stunt man. And they're two very different terms as far as I'm concerned. You know? Yeah, I've heard you say that, and and explain to the to everyone why why that is. Well, as a daredevil, you know, we basically go out and pound our chest and declare that we're the greatest and and all that, you know, and and make a big deal out of what we're doing. And as a stunt man, um, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm doubling you, and you go on in on a press junket. And you want to say you did all your stunts, more power to you. My job is to to please the studio, make you look good, and uh, if you want the credit, you can have it all. You know, it's a, a behind the scenes thing. As long as you're getting that check, right? Yeah, that, we, we we were actually talking about this before we we got on air with you, and I was like, all right, there's a check for if. I do the stunts and I say I did the stunt. And then there's a separate check I'm going to ask a number for if you want the credit for the, the stunt. Did they actually kick up the pay if they want to take the credit? No. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get paid for doing my job. And then there's a, um, basically our, most of our con- most of the time as a stunt man, our contracts, we come in on, on – actor scale just as if we were a day player actor or a guest on the show and then um we get a stunt adjustment based on how difficult death defying or whatever our stunt might be uh sometimes um i would get paid a great amount of money just for riding wheelies now that's not death defying but um i've had to ride wheelies on a Harley with a guy laying over the front handlebars of my bike. That's not very easy, you know? Yeah. So, so I can pretty much ask what I want. Huh, there nice. you go. In that particular one, I was dressed as a girl. So 
<laughs> hey, that's actually that's actually on my my list here of one of the one, so since you mentioned it, uh, you took a lot of shit for dressing as women during a lot of stunts, right? Yes, and that's only half of it because two of the women I doubled were black, so oh. I everybody upset. And now there's there's some really great black stuntmen motorcycle riders. But then there wasn't. And uh, one of the shows, they came and shut it down. And um, Richard Washington, who's a good all-around stuntman, and he rides a bike well, showed up there. And I'm about to jump a motorcycle off a cliff out into the water. And he, I went, fine, you do the damn thing. <laughs> you know? um, to be fair, we had a black stunt guy that we brought in who was doubling the girl. And I was in a Ku Klux Klan outfit with four other or five other guys. And and chase them through the whole movie. And then when it came time to do some of the tricks, or she had to look really good, he and I would swap places. We put the Ku Klux Klan outfit on the black guy, and they would darken <laughs> me down. And, and it seemed fair. Everybody's getting paid. Yeah, sure. And the, the object is to get the job done. So, um, absolutely. Anyway, so that was my that was my first day in the business or my first uh, movie was evil Knievel. And then, um, uh, the next year, cause evil, evil got upset at that one because I was on it because he and I were rivals up to that point. And, uh, he got mad and he took back half his equipment from the company and, and, uh, it, which worked out okay for me because we used a bunch of my stuff instead. I felt a little better about. And, um, uh, uh, but the day I did the jump and they blew the ramps up, he did sneak out to the set and was watching. And when I went home, Sam stayed there and had to do his scene afterwards. It didn't involve me. So they sent me back to the hotel. Sam stayed behind. And he came to me at the hotel later that night and said, you know what? You missed kind of a cool thing. Evil got on the PA system and told the people that they had just witnessed one of the greatest stunts that they ever could have seen. <laughs> well, that's not like him. Yeah. And so at that it made me feel really great. Now, up to this point, we still had never spoken face to face. We would yell at each other kind of uh, <laughs> through, through viral the sports. And I always referred to him as Mr. Knievel. I mean, number one, I was brought up that way. But number two, I knew that would kind of get under his, his, him a little bit because let's face it, <laughs> evil is his name. I mean, that's that's a big deal in in promotion. Um, so uh, a year or or so goes by and he's in London. He jumps Wembley, 13 buses unsuccessfully, as you know. And so I'm home asleep and about three o'clock in the morning, I get a call. And Gary, this is evil. <laughs> right. Who is this really? I'm sleeping. <laughs> and it took him about, I don't know, a good five minutes of trying to convince me that finally convinced me that's really him on the other end of the line. <laughs> So, and he said, um, I need you. He said, I know you're busy and in, in, in your stunt career and stuff. He said, but I need you to come over here, teach my boys to wheelie. And uh, I want you to take my place, uh, at least for the next few shows, until I can maybe get back on my feet. And, and uh, um, you know, I'll maybe come out and ride some wheelies or ride the bike way with the people, but I want you to come over and, and do the stunts. So I wasn't doing them 
supposed to do them as evil on that one. I was, I was, you know, just going to be Gary Davis doing evil show. Well, that didn't go over so big. The producing company said, nah, we, we hired evil. We didn't hire Gary Davis. You know? <laughs> and, and I understood that. I mean, come on. Sure. Uh, and was so, he banged up? He, he couldn't do it because of the Wembley. Yeah. He was in a wheelchair when I got there. Yeah. I have pictures of him in the wheelchair directing me or something. I don't know. He's telling me how to ride a bike, apparently. <laughs> uh, and I'm a little different than the rest of the jumpers. I, I have a physics degree. And so <laughs> it's important to me that the bike's going the right speed. Right. If I hit crosswinds or headwinds and all that kind of stuff, I can figure out if I'm going to alter that or I have to just ride the bike whatever happens to me in the middle of the, of the ramps. But if I know I'm going the right speed, at least I got that part covered. Right. So Yeah, you would you would have a speedometer on your front tire and your rear tire. That is correct. I had two right. and on my evil, bike. evil used zero speedometers. <laughs> and no other jumper used them either. Really? <laughs> I couldn't get anybody to. I couldn't get Robbie to. And I've been with Robbie for his whole life. Huh. He was just a little tiny boy when when I met him, you know, and uh, uh, but you know, none, none of those guys think that they're accurate enough. Well, if they're both saying that it's one speed, whether it's ninety two miles an hour, I got to figure I'm doing about that <laughs> as, as better than I could by the seat of my pants. Right. Pretty sure eighty seven feels like ninety five, <laughs> right? I mean, I that's pretty close. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, I flew over there and I hand carried my front wheel and one speedometer with me on the plane because I was afraid <laughs> I was going to lose it if I checked it. <laughs> that was my damn carry on. <laughs> uh, so you know, any that's of amazing. Pictures, I it, I travel every week for work and I've seen a lot of people bring some <laughs> weird stuff on a plane. I've never seen anybody carrying a tire. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, so then we came back and, and, uh, in 76, they're going to do Viva Knievel and Evil's going to play himself. Now he's one of the greatest, honestly, one of the greatest public speakers for doing what he needs done, right? He really pumps the people up and, and, but as an actor, when they put a piece of paper in his hand and say, <laughs> say these words, yeah, not so much, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't matter. Anybody, you know, evil fans still all went to see the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, yep. and so by that time I had figured out that most of the stunt coordinators I was working for didn't really know what all could be done on a motorcycle. And I knew they weren't going to get anybody else to, to do it. So I said, you know, I'm going to stunt coordinate the movie and double evil. And my real good friend, Kerry Lofton, came in and directed the second unit when there was one. And so that was my, my first real gig as a coordinator. And that went pretty well because half of Hollywood, as far as all the stunt community, showed up the first time I had to throw the bike away. It was over the lions and tigers, the white leather jump. And uh, I said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to hit the ramp at about 70. That wasn't one of my biggest jumps. It was big enough for me to knowing that I was going to land on the, my back on the other ramp. So I, I looped it over on myself, threw the bike away, which pushed it away, which means it's only about 
four and a half, five feet in front of me. It doesn't go very far <laughs> until it hits the ground and then it starts crashing and, and I do as well. Now I landed on my back, so I could have just slid down the ramp and then across the field and stuff, but it calls for it to be a wreck and for him to get hurt. So when I landed on the ramp, I dug my heels in the ramp. Then the wreck was on. You know, <laughs> then you start rolling. Yeah. How, so how do you like you've done 312 like going back to you know when you were a daredevil before you were a stuntman you did 312 public jumps Correct. not not one crash no sir and then you come in to hollywood yeah. and they're like hey could you crash this motorcycle right. like how do you plan for something like that well it, the i crashed a lot racing <laughs> you know and a lot of those a lot of those you have to put down on purpose i was a flat track racer and you go into a turn the guy in front of you crashes you got no choice you got to throw the bike down right away and crash so that was an alien to me i was a gymnast in high school so i had a fair amount of control over my body and you can do all that stuff really safe if you choose to but it doesn't photograph as death-defying, we'll call it, right? If it, yeah. it's exciting, you have to know you're going home sore. <laughs> so when they would say, you know, lay the bike down, slide it down and crash into that, you know, ticket booth or whatever. I'm Charlie's Angels, it was a ticket booth. And I said, well, I'm happy to do that. Uh, Ronnie Rondell or Dick Syker, one of those two were my coordinator at that time. And they, they said, yeah, just, just do, your, you know, bring it. It's a 900 Kawasaki. And I had to lay it down and go through it. And I said, well, wouldn't it be a little bit better if I could high side it? That way I would go through the ticket booth first, tearing it up, and then the bike would just follow through. And and these are without helmets because, you know, bad guys don't put on a helmet. So they went, can you really do that? And I said, well, sure. <laughs> and so I, I did that. And then I started getting known for doing high sides when laydowns were the thing that always happened, you know? And so they were, they were fun and they weren't tough. When it came time to do the jumps, the two crashes in Viva Knievel, that's a little different with those 312 jumps you talk about. I, I got muscle memory, right? It, I, it's going to do the right thing, whether I'm paying attention or not, I think, you know? So to fight all of that, to do it all wrong was, was hard for me mentally. You know, I had to really, really psych myself up when on the first jump, I get, they say, okay, you know, get Gary to start the engine, you know, and I start the engine up and I'm letting it warm up. And they said, okay, we're rolling cameras. You get all ready. And they're, and all this stuff's coming over the radio right beside me. There's a, a production assistant on the radio. And we're listening to all this stuff. And then finally I get action and I take off and I'm going to the ramp. And this is over the lions and tigers. And I'm, just about up to speed and out runs the producer Irwin Allen in front of me waving me down one of the cameras a high speed camera which they all they often did jam because they ran them up so fast uh that those those become slow-mo in case you know you guys probably understand it um so I uh, I skid to a stop avoid hitting him which was close <laughs> then I go back and I'm sitting back there getting ready and i'm still revving the engine and stuff and finally they say okay we got a little bit bigger problem than we think so tell gary to, to shut it down so i turn it off now i start 
getting religion or something. I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, God doesn't want you to do this. There's a reason that th- that this happened. You know, it's like golfers always wearing the same underwear or baseball players, and you know, rubbing their head three times. I mean, whatever, right? Yeah. You, you just start thinking about stuff, stuff weird. And um, and while I'm thinking about it, my stomach's starting to turn a little. Now I'm pretty sure I need to go to the bathroom all, and or throw up. And uh, I'm not feeling real well. And my confidence level has dropped. Um, and I'm just this close to saying, you know what? Tell them I can't do it today. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just, I, I'm a wreck right now. I can't, I, this is, you know, this is a whole unusual thing to me. <laughs> I'm not ready. And apparently the, the production assistant had the radio turned down for some reason. And all of a sudden we see hands waving and stuff. And he turns the radio back on. They said, damn it. Action, action. And it scared <laughs> me so much. It brought my adrenaline up. I kickstart the bike right off the bat and start grabbing gears you know and then i would i guarantee you if it hadn't happened that way i wouldn't have been able to do it right away wow because i was a mess mentally wow so when you're so like okay that's a that's a a jump that you're supposed to perform on camera right so when you're doing that they just say action and you have to go and do it but when you're out doing your stunt show you're doing warm up runs back and forth to get your speed. Like how does how do you do like are you doing all that before they say action or yes and no? Yes. I absolutely went out there on my bike and rode wheelies and stuff. It was a pretty good audience and half like I said, half of them were the stuntmen of, of everything in LA. And I'm I'm riding wheelies, I'm standing on the seat, I'm getting I'm not only building my confidence doing that. At this point, the bike is warm. I'm building my confidence, and but I'm, I'm just getting the feel of the bike, you know, so it feels good again. And then I pull around, and I get to the staging area, and uh, and I wait for the cue. Now, that could take forever and often does. So all that psych-up and stuff is still dwindling. And so at some point, it's going to go away anyway. Because I right. just get pissed because they're stalling so long. You know, why'd they send me out there if, right. if they're not going to do it? You know, um, but, uh, you know, I, I was still talking to myself, you know. Remember to grab a handful of throttles, leave the ramp so the bike will spin around. The, the, the crankshaft is actually the center of the motorcycle. So as you grab a handful of throttle, it brings the front end up. If you, if you jam on the brake, it sucks the wheel up and causes the bike to tip back down again. And uh, so that's how you control it in the air. Although there's a number of times I've made jumps and not had time to do that <laughs> in the movie business, you know, that weren't my ramps and not going ramp to ramp, for instance. Right. Um, going back, sticking with your, your stunt career, uh, you you jumped with a... Uh, um... I'm sorry, uh, Gary or Rex Blackwell, a lot. Correct. Out of your three, out of your 312 jumps, because you you guys used to do ramp to ramp jumps and crisscross each other. Uh, out of those 312 jumps, how many were with Rex? 
Um, a, less than a hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I that that was I couldn't find that part of uh, your career. What what uh, happened there? But so it, that was another question I had. Like, evil would always use really small ramps like not they weren't wide like his his takeoff ramp wasn't wide but his landing ramp was a little wider is that why you used wider ramps because you were going ramp ramp to ramp or like yes our our ramps were eight feet wide both the catch ramp and the takeoff ramp and uh uh we could have easily used four foot takeoff ramps but but we were both landing on our our own set of ramps, so it really didn't matter. You know, right. um, we just wanted it to, it just seemed to pack well and everything, you know. Um, and his, my angle was different than Evil's angle, but nothing like the ramps of today. You know, the guys that have 13, 14 inches of suspension, they loft up in the air a long ways, and we could never have done that. We, our bikes would have just crushed themselves on landing. Right. How much older uh, is evil or was evil than you? Was he, uh, is that how you got into stunts? Like, was he, uh, was he someone that you looked up to? Um, it's funny. A lot of people do say that. Uh, I don't know that I ever, I ever thought about that. When I was in high school, I rode wheelies. So I, w- I would have seen evil ride wheelies and I just wanted to ride wheelies and I would ride to school downtown through the city and stuff. But when I went to college, I didn't start racing motorcycles till I was in college. And, uh, I would sometimes during intermission go out and ride wheelies and show off to the people and wave. And, and, uh, one day a man approached me and said, well, you ever thought about jumping cars for a living? I said, no, that's really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I understand at this point, I'm a starving student in college. Yeah. And so he pulls out a huge wad of cash. He said, I will pay for the building of your ramps. And I will promise you that you will be in a different city or different and, and or different state every weekend through hmm. the year. And you'll sometimes do two jumps in each, in each city. And I said, well, if I was going to do this, I want to do it different. Because there's Evil Knievel, there's Super Joe Einhorn, a couple other guys you hardly ever hear of. And I said, so what I'd like to do is get a partner. Originally, Gary Wells and I were going to do that when Gary started. And then Ralph wouldn't let Gary do that. It was all about Gary. And so um, I said, I I have a friend, Rex Blackwell, who I race against all the time. And I'd like to talk to him about maybe, maybe doing it with me. And so... I talked Rex into into uh, coming aboard, and and we you know, <laughs> they they did they they did they did have us jumping every week at a different place, but they owned fifty percent of us, and in those days we were only getting a couple of grand a jump. Well, that got split between me and Rex, and then it got split with them. So I only got twenty five percent of whatever the gate take was. Wow. And who, they were just promoters. They were just like daredevil promoters, or uh, uh, not really. Um, the guy who approached me was speaking for another guy, but the the guy who put up the money and who really did all the booking 
was a man named Mel Larson. And Mel Larson uh, did all the publicity and stuff for um, three of the casinos, the Del Webb casinos. He did them all for Del Webb that were in Vegas. And, uh, and so he had a real full-time job, but he also owned a drag strip in Phoenix called Phoenix Dragway. And, uh, and so he was tight with the, um, the dragster guys and stuff. So he, what he really did was he called, he knew where all they were going to appear. And so we basically followed them, you know, it would be a funny car and drag show. And then they'd stop the show and we'd come out and jump our motorcycle and carry our rope ramps off. And the finals would start with the drag show again. Nice. In that stunt women movie that I watched, they mentioned a lot of cocaine during the during the seventies and eighties of uh, the Hollywood stuntman business. Yes, and they a lot a couple of them got blacklisted because I guess they called out some of the stuntmen for using cocaine and uh, hampering their judgment. Well, you can imagine that's probably true. Yeah. But <laughs> the entire picture business is full, <laughs> and and we're a, a portion of that now. Um, I've never so much as even smoked a joint, so I'm <laughs> a chicken shit. I'm <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a control freak, which is which shows up in my in my stunt coordinating and my directing and stuff, and. and I feel the same way about drugs and I, I never really drank even hardly. Um, I just don't like not having full control of my body. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're out there doing the stuff that you're doing, you can't, I mean, it's, you really shouldn't be, you know, on the, under the influence of anything. It's a, it's a very, (laughs) I mean, when I was racing and, and, (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of it there too by the way <laughs> I, you finally get to the main event and you look over to your right i mean some of the guys you can see their eyes in their helmet are rolled back and stuff and you're going oh my god i'm about to go to the first turn with this guy i don't know where he's looking um so yeah i mean drugs certainly were a big deal in the 70s and 80s for sure I, i'd like to believe they've they've fallen way off but I don't know. I mean, when I used to walk into a room of, full of movie people, it, it, half of them would shut up as if a narc just walked in. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just after that uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial not that long ago, I don't. I think the drugs might be still uh, pretty <laughs> readily available in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, well, it's plenty available. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gary, uh, let's see. Uh, were there any stunts that a director came to you and wanted you to do, and you were like, I'm not doing that, but we can do it this way? Oh, that happens all the time. A director will say, listen, I want to shoot this stunt guy coming out of the second story window, and I want to see him land on the ground on his back. <laughs> and I'd say, no, we can't do that. <laughs> you know? It's I'm not going to hurt some guy. So they come through a window, even though it's it's candy glass, it still breaks off in shards. So when you land on that stuff, we, we get lots of cuts. 
I, I don't want to skewer some guy that comes out. Um, not, it, not to mention the fact that second story, which is maybe only 10 or 12 feet, maybe the window's a little bit higher than that. Land on your back on the ground? I don't, you know, I don't think so. So we're going to do it in pieces. You're going to see him. We're going to frame just above the pad that he's going to go to. Now I have, I have dug in pads to where you have to cut away from it fairly quick when they do hit it. But I dig a hole in the ground and I put cups, styrofoam cups, six inch ones and four inch ones and stagger them all over the place in this hole, lay plywood over them and then put sod back over it. And so you can't see it. It's, it's just a green patch. And so you can come out and the guy can turn over and land on that. And it doesn't sound like much, right? It's only six inches, but it's six to four. And so it, it displaces the, and the, the, the wind, the air it's displacing is still kind of half-assed locked in there. Cause you, you dug a, a proper uh, rectangle for these boards to go into or a square or whatever it is. And, uh, and yes, it'll collapse a little bit, but you actually see them hit the ground and then you cut away and cut around to another hmm. angle. Wow. There's Pretty lots cool. of, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to what we talked about a little earlier, this just came around. So you, we, we had talked about this on another episode. I'm not a fan of Tom Cruise. Right. And like, <laughs> to me, him doing all of his own stunts is taking work away from someone like you. Is that like, but you don't seem to feel that way because you're like, yeah, if you want the credit, go ahead and take it. Well, I said, you can take the credit if I did it. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they could do it. I said, I don't mind. I don't, I don't have to brag about the stuff I've done. You know, if it, if you think it makes you look better, go ahead and say it. I don't care. Um, most of them won't do that. You know, they're, happy to step up and say man <laughs> i got a stunt guy who does a really good job for me yeah he keeps me safe because um, our job is not only doing the stunt it's all the lead up to it and the and the, uh, and the aftermath of it and stuff we got to still make sure that the actor is still not harmed in any way and if it's a vehicular stunt we got to make sure the crew's safe and everybody's safe well it's the coordinator not so much the stunt man but stunt man usually will stick pretty close to his guy and his job is to to you know help him out and show him the things that we're going to do so he can double it and stuff um but now i can't take a lot away from cruz's abilities you know when he said he was going to learn to skydive he went out and became a great skydiver you know he goes out and he learns things and he does a pretty good job of most but when there's a car chase being done and there's 20 of us in cars and we start, we rehearse it. We rehearse it over and over with his double weaving through traffic head on and, and, and stuff. We're ready to go. And then he comes to the set and he wants to be the driver. Well, immediately we have to shave off at least a third of the speed and potentially half of the speed. So what suffers is the finished product. Because you can, we can slow the cameras down a, a little bit, and that so when they play back, they make us look a little faster. Or you can't do it much because then it looks like Keystone Cops. <laughs> so we can do tricks to help get the speed back up. But what you can't cheat at that point is 
the drift of the car. <clears throat> if you're coming in at 60 miles an hour and, and sliding into a turn and taking off, it's different than coming in the 30 and sliding. It's just, you, you know, the tires aren't smoking and, and, and drifting sideways. And it just takes away the look a lot. Right. So you were a, you were a trained motorcycle stunt performer, but you you also do uh, the car chases and stuff like that. But you credit I, I heard you say you credit uh, Carrie Lofton with a lot of he trained you right to to do a lot of that stuff. It, it wasn't so much he trained me, Carrie Lofton, although he did give me a lot of tips on car driving because he was spectacular. Carrie um, Lofton and Paul Knuckles were two stunt coordinators. One was in the Stuntman's Association and one was in Stunts Unlimited. And so they would always keep me working. They would keep, keep hiring me and giving me opportunities to do stuff. And often we would talk through it and I would, I would bring something to the table. At, you know, like when I said, I like high sides better than lay downs because they just look so much better. You know, and sometimes I would bungee the forks off on the bike. So after I got off the bike and let it go, it would spring the forks the other way and it would spin through the air and, and look a lot better. Um, so they would give me all these opportunities and, uh, um, but it doesn't hurt to, to know the tricks, you know? Sure. Yeah. And if, if no one is, or if anyone isn't familiar with, uh, Carrie Lofton, I looked his IMDB page up the other day and wow, he's, I mean, the list, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> he's been in everything. And he 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 drove up and in, uh, almost into his seventies, right? He was still driving. He was uh, he was sixty six, I think. And by the way, I'm seventy one, so let's not make a big deal out of seventy. Are you st- <laughs> are you still are you still sure are you still out there doing stuff? Yeah, I don't get oh, called. Great. I used to. All the guys used to call me are either dead or retired. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I you know I just finished coordinating a show here in Texas and stuff. So yeah, I I still work. But Kerry Lofton was 66, I think, when he drove with me and against all odds. That, if anyone, ha- I'm going to put it in the video yeah. uh, here. That, if anyone hasn't seen that, that shit is, that is intense, man. Well, thank you. Cause that was a long time ago. That was in 83. Yeah. You know, and so we didn't, we didn't have the ability to put fake cars in front of us and stuff like they're doing all the things now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like when you watch a movie like that, you don't think of all, the behind the scenes stuff. Like you don't think that every single person that you see in that car, in that scene is a stunt performer. Like everyone in those vehicles are all stunt drivers. Like you don't like what, you know, when you're a kid or, you know, even now you don't think about that stuff while you're watching the movie. And, and, you know, part of it is because of how good you guys make it look. Well, we'd like to believe that. And thank you. Because if, if, if that's the case, then we're doing our job. Yeah, absolutely, man. You've you've done a, a an incredible job. At one at one point, you were considered the best stunt coordinator in Hollywood. Well, I guess that's a matter of opinion, isn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what? Like, uh, I was in the in the in the top bunch, anyway. You know, you, you know what's crazy about that scene where you guys are going through the traffic and everything. I know you guys were told. And I watch it different now when you guys were told, don't put no scratches on these cars. <laughs> yes. So now when I watch it, I look how close you guys get to the cars, man. I'm looking at it like, oh, my God, they're so close together. Like, that's got to be nerve wracking. 
Like, you're so goddamn close. And you're like, yeah. I'm not supposed to scratch this car? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, you know, that's, they, that, was, that was the first thing they told me. Because originally that wasn't even in the, in the script. Uh, it might have been an original script, but it wasn't the script that the studio bought. And hmm. so Taylor kept pushing and pushing to get that in there. Because he wanted, you know, us to be able to um, just to define for the audience what the characters were like. And uh, so I, I, I'm half-assed famous for having all my little toys. Now everybody has the toys. But I, I, I drew off a big board and I drew all Sunset Boulevard and took all my toys and showed them where I planned on putting cameras and how I was going to shoot this and shoot that and why I wanted six cameras at all times. Because they never want to do that. They never want to give you that many that many people in the crew. And I said, well, two of the cameras are locked off. You know, we just take them off the mounts on one car. And we put them on the mounts on the other. They don't need a crew, you know. And I said, the second thing is I want to keep the cameras always moving. Um, the opening shot, because <clears throat> Taylor asked for it, was the camera on the ground. And both cars come up over a rise. They come at the camera. And then as they pass the camera, they cut to the you know, it pointing the other way and the cameras go by them all the rest of the time, the camera's moving. And that was one of the things that Jim Cameron made a big deal out of. He said, I really like that you use tighter lenses instead of wide lenses. Like we're all using now. And that the, the camera was always moving. You put people in the seats. They got to feel the chase. Um, and that was my first directing job. So it, <laughs> it, 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 that was a good launch for me. I, I guess I lucked out. <laughs> for sure. Um, I only have a few more questions here for you, Gary. So you were never hurt while you were a daredevil. In 312 jumps, you never wrecked or crashed. Were Correct. you ever hurt? Were you ever hurt as a stuntman? Hurt pretty badly twice. Hurt a lot of times doing things like spraining an ankle or or I landed on my head a lot. I have a lot of stitches <laughs> on my head. As I said, we never got to wear helmets. <laughs> You know, yeah. And if, if I if I lose my hair, um, I'm going to look like like a, a volleyball ball or something. This guy got seen all over. The <laughs> it's not a guy can be pretty. Um, but uh, I broke my back on smoking the bandit too. It's uh, it's still the world record car jump in a movie. Now, like everything else, they've put a lot of suspension on cars now and. A lot of guys were jumping far on but with dune buggies and stuff, but I was jump jumping a basically a street stock. Uh, I think I was jumping a Dodge, um, and uh, it was only 163 feet, but uh, for a car that's pretty good. And when it landed, they were they gave me an experimental seat. Up all my jumps up to that point, I kind of lay in the seat and I put a, a rolled up uh, blanket, a camera blanket. In, under the small of my back and under the seat, I put a small inner tube like out of a wheelbarrow and fill it up. And then when it lands, it usually takes my air, but my back bends. In this car, they had the seat sitting straight up and down in front of the wheel and it had shock absorbers all around it. Now, if I had been on the show earlier, we would have changed that. When I came to the show, I already had insisted they change the ramp angles to what I wanted. And and then I kept thinking about that seat, and I hated it. But um, I didn't sleep good at all the night before. I just knew something was going to happen. And uh, 
uh, it did. <laughs> it crushed L1, 2, and 3 in my back. Holy it, shit. So I had a little trouble getting out of the car. Um, but Burt Reynolds and everybody helped pull me out, so that was fun. <laughs> you got any good Burt Reynolds stories? <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, every Burt Reynolds and, and, it's, and Clint Eastwood are just two of the greatest guys. You, 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 the whole time, you just have fun. You know, and 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 the guys like Clint Eastwood is not only my favorite actor, but my favorite director. You know, he's sure he's the best. If you'd like, I'll take you guys on a virtual tour of the shop. My hell yeah, toy box, absolutely. Okay, so those are oh shit, Dad, uh, you see him? Yeah, the picture of the dark leathers is my second jump on Viva Knievel, Double and Evil. Um, that one hurt kind of bit because I landed (laughs) and then. Uh, on the rear wheel, when the front wheel came down, I had it turned sideways and held my brake on. So we were married together for quite a while. Are those the leathers that uh, Lathan just brought you? No. The ones that Lathan brought to me were the ones I wore on Viva Knievel. But these are my leathers when I was Gary Davis. Oh, okay. Oh, oh so you wore basically the same thing that Evil wore. I did once I started riding Triumphs. When I started... Okay. I rode that Honda 350. Oh, wow. And that's the Life Magazine article on setting the world record in Ontario. And at that time, Rex and I both wore orange and white leathers. Did then you guys broke- do that jump? Did you did you break that record together? Yes. I just went oh, over wow. it, so I got accredited with it. Oh, cool. And then the BSA, we were still wearing the orange. And then when, they, when BSA and Triumph merged... Then, then, uh, and we quit jumping as a duo and I went off on my own and he went off on his. And those are just some of my race bikes, although I can't find vintage racing here in Texas. <laughs> What's uh, that? This is actually one of my questions that I had written down. What's, what is the significance of number 89? That's just a number I was given as my name. <laughs> really? <laughs> Um, and so, I mean, when I started that picture up there, you see his one twelve. That's when I was a novice, and that's back when Kenny Roberts was a novice too. Okay, we're both old. <laughs> Here's a project I'm working on a, a a German NSU motor that I'm putting in a Greaves chassis. Very cool. There was one. I'm make- not. I don't know a lot about motorcycles. This is one of my one of my last questions for you. My uh, cousin is a big motocross guy. And tell us what you did for the Sidewinder 1 movie. You built something that is now used on all motocross bikes? Well, at that time, motocrossers did not have disc brakes. And I, I went too far. I put mag wheels on, on the Sidewinders. And I built a water-cooled Mako engine as because that was the premise of the deal was they built a uh, all new deal. And it was going to, uh, revolutionize motocross racing. And then it gets shot down in the movie. They go, no, the, the radiator is going to fill up with mud. It's going to overheat, and not work. So we went back to the air cooled, uh, in script. And this is all in script, but sure. I built a water cooled motocrosser with disc brakes. And if you also remember for the most part, bikes had either a, silver 
or black frame. You know, they weren't painting the frames. And so we painted the frame and everything all all uh, blue. And uh, uh, it was, <laughs> it wasn't, well, let me see here. I'll walk over here to this side of the shop. <laughs> Sidewinder. And that on the cover of Dirt Bike, I'm, I'm testing one of them. But that's the air-cooled one. We'd already, okay. We don't have any shots other than I have some 8x10s of it. Uh, you, you know, from the script, uh, from the movie. And there's, there's the Captain uh, America. Yeah. And That's cool. More race bikes. And I've turned a lot of my bikes into street trackers and sold them off. I miss a lot of them, but that's my road racer. Don't you have also one of only three motorcycles in existence? Do you still have that? Well, I think you're, you might be talking the YDS-1R. It was the yeah, first- I saw a video of your shop when you were in uh, Northern California, and you, you had mentioned it was one of only three in existence. Yeah, it's not that there was only three made. Um, right. It's only three that they, could, they can find. Right. And uh, it was a YDS-1R, the first production road racer that Yamaha built. And um, before they called it the YDS-1R, I can't remember what they called the prototypes, but they brought a couple of them to race Catalina off, off, off California's coast. Okay. And they were doing great, actually, but they, ended, they, but they broke all of them. Um, and then... Uh, mine is now at the uh, Barber Museum. Oh, cool. There's one of my flat track racers that is now street legal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I keep a bunch of my movies hanging, but not all the movies. <laughs> no, there's too many to hang in there. Yeah, you run many. out of room. And then here's that's Evil and I. You've nice. Seen that here. You had to, uh, I remember you saying in another interview that you had to wear a uh, brown wig, right? Uh, well, that was during d- doubling Sam. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because Sam's hair was longer and it hung out the back. And so right. mine out the back. <laughs> Here's one of the high sides. This is through the ticket booth on Charlie's Angels. Wow. This is Gary as... <laughs> Jane, Jane and a great the the best girl racer debbie evans and by that time we had you know one good girl but she's you know she was a foot shorter than than the, the girl i had a devil so sure yeah De- actually debbie evans was in that uh stunt woman movie that i watched you look pretty good as a woman out there gary <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> These are just some pictures I have. That's when I broke my back. Wow. And that's my Kel. I used to have a helicopter, and that's it. And I, I would use it on some of the shows. I'm doubling that's Bruce Boxleitner there, and they're yeah. trying to take me off the thing. They yeah, that's a, that's a really cool scene. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, tell us about what like what goes into something like that, a helicopter stunt. Well... Um, and again, I was directing and coordinating and doubling on that one. So, because again, I, I knew what I was going to do. So I knew how to best capture it on camera. And, um, uh, the whole gag was, I jump, I run and jump on it. It's just taken off 
and the guy in the back seat yells, you know, shake him, shake him. And so my pilot, who was also my instructor when I was learning to fly, he uh, he spun the thing around in the air and, and he would dive and he took me through a fence. Oh, you know all this and that. So <laughs> I first jumped on. Um, I was I was just holding on and he takes his he takes off and he does his spin right off the bat. And I'm just holding on with one arm. Oh and then he, touched, then he touches me back down. And under those clothes, I have a harness on, a full harness. And I ran a cable from the harness down my arm and brought it out at my wrist and, and tied it around the – and so I couldn't really fall far. <laughs> sure. Well, that's an, I mean, it looks incredible. It, it, that, I, I'm it proud does. of that thing too. Thank you. That's grease too. This is another high side into a porta potty. Jesus. <laughs> I, put, I put one of the mechanics on my show inside the porta potty. We hung a bunch of buckets of water in there. So as it turned over, it splashed water all over and <laughs> looked really gruesome. There's that evil crash one again. Yeah. This is a kind of a fun one. Joey Chitwood's driving the car and I was riding passenger and he takes oh, cool. up on two wheels. And while he's up on two wheels, I climb out the, the window of the out the side door and jump on the helicopter as it goes by. <laughs> wow. So was I I never realized that. So Joey Chitwood was also a daredevil and stuntman. Yeah, he worked a lot as a stunt guy for us. Wow. This is uh There was actually a guy I was telling um uh not Lathan but uh Joe Pennington from the museum. There was a guy at um my girlfriend's her mom, she lived in an older uh, folks community, and the guy that lived across the hall, his name was Murph, and he was the hood man for Joey Chitwood. He would, like, hang on to the hoods while Joey would drive through shit. Well, <laughs> that's a pretty safe job because it's Joey behind the wheel, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is me taking the, my stunt guys down into the canals to do Terminator 2 filming. Oh, that's another one that's absolutely insane. Yeah, that was when a- when that tow motor truck thing comes off the ledge, like that trick looks absolutely fantastic. And the way you cut all that together, because I've seen the videos of this where you're talking about you had to to put the stunt double on a bigger bike, right? And, and all that, that. That's the two stunt doubles there. The, Holy shit, the dude! That is cool. He's a better double physically, but he doesn't ride a bike very well. So this one's a little bit taller, and I put him on 100 instead of an 80. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that that was actually one of the questions I had while we're talking about Terminator 2. How do you get a town, wherever you film that out, how do they, like, how does that work? We're going to smash your bridge up. <laughs> okay. That bridge didn't have that wall on it. We built that. Hmm. Oh, okay. So you built, Okay. And it was built out of pyrocell. It wasn't built out of concrete. Wow. Well, you'd never know. No. I was like, how the hell did he get them to let them smash that bridge? <laughs> yeah. No, the worst thing was, as you know, if you watch that footage, I was running out of time. Yeah. I, yeah. Because, you know, at some pe- point, people have to come home from work, and we were holding traffic in all the directions. And right. so that's the problem. So uh, you have the, you're showing you and Jeff Bridges there. You not only did, um, you know, you did all these stunts for, for all these movies, but you also had to double as the actor while you were doing the stunts. Yeah, that's my favorite thing, to be honest with you. Uh, 
Scarecrow Mrs. King eventually said, we're not going to give you three contracts every week. You're going to have to give up one of them. I said, okay, I won't double him anymore. Well, I was a heads up double for him. So that was a stupid, a stupid decision on their part. Yeah. That's amazing that's- stuff, Gary. Yeah. This, everything you've shown us is absolutely amazing. And I would, you know, I might sell a kidney to get some of this stuff. Like it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Did you make all these frames too? Um, well, no, I bought them. <laughs> all right. Well, because they, they look like custom, like cool custom frames that you would have nope. made or something. Crappy little frames out of, I don't know, Michael's <laughs> and stuff. And then I just mounted them on, you know. I'm, well, they look cool, man. And this is what I'm Peter Fonda. <laughs> <laughs> That's what cool. I'm a samurai warrior. <laughs> <laughs> this is Peter Fonda messing with me in the, in, in the, in the makeup. <laughs> This is my oh, favorite man. bike, my gold star. Huh. Uh, what else? Anything else here? That's my Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame, yeah. That talk yeah. about that, man. I, I watched your induction street, uh, your induction speech on the uh, AMA Hall of Fame. That that really meant a lot to you. It did mean a lot to me, and it still does. Um, you're right. I got kind of choked up on the whole thing. And, uh, I would have said more, but I, would, I I I could feel that it was coming up on me. I went, oh no, sure. I better end it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my favorite headline. Evil Knievel, the world's most daring stuntman, calls in a stuntman. That's perfection yeah. right there. Yeah. Very it, cool. For me, it doesn't get much better than that. You know? Yeah. And this is a letter he sent me when he was in the hospital in London and to get me to come over. Very cool. I like how he put the, his name as the <laughs> ramp. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool, right? He's always promoting. Very cool. That one's me as Sam Elliott. There's the fiberglass off of that bike. And the one above it is the the fiberglass off the bike that I used both in uh, Europe and and, uh, Viva Knievel both. Very cool. One of my other questions, Gary, now that you're showing us all of this stuff... Um, I mentioned that, you know, I watched a lot of these videos of yours, uh, prior to this and you were in Northern California and, and you're in Texas. Now you mentioned that you're in Texas now. Um, yeah. what type of undertaking did it take to move all of this stuff from Northern California <laughs> to Texas? Six of the largest moving trucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it was 10,000 a truck. So, oh, shit. How many how many bikes do you still have? I have fifty four, I think. <laughs> wow! But I, you know, I sold two hundred. I, I had sure, yeah, I know. In California, I remember. I think you had three hundred or something, right? Uh, that was an exaggeration on some that someone put on that. What you heard on there? Okay, two hundred forty six. Okay, well, <laughs> oh, only two hundred forty six. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would, it would be crazy to have three hundred. Yeah, that's that's too many. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so those are the slates of all the movies i directed oh that's very cool yeah do they just give you that stuff at the end or do you have to sneak it off a set um well we never ask the studio but (laughs) (laughs) the camera department usually (laughs) has one slip into my stunt bag or something (laughs) that's pretty cool i mean it's nobody else can use it they're all sure they're all carved in. I mean, this is this is all ground in here stuff, you know. Right. Oh yeah. Hmm. 
That's cool, man. Yeah, it is. Very cool, Gary. I've had a lot of fun. It's, you know, never, <laughs> you have. never having to grow up. How do you beat that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff, man. Ray, do you have anything else for Gary? No, I think the only thing I would say is um, telling people that you're a professional stuntman might be one of the coolest fucking things you could ever just say to another human being. Like, what do you do for a living? I'm a goddamn stuntman. Not a daredevil. I'm a fucking stuntman. I think that's awesome. Well, thank this you. Has been, dude, I, I, this we... is so much fun, man. You, you are so cool to talk to. So awesome. The truth is, when people say, what do you do for a living? I usually just say, I fall on my head. So, <laughs> they don't know what the hell I do, really. They just think I'm drunk. Uh, Gary, awesome. thank you so much, man, for doing this and taking the time out of your day to do this. You're not a social media guy, right? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So uh, nothing to plug, right? No, nothing to plug, but thanks. <laughs> yeah, man, no problem. Uh, it, it, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. Well, it was it was kind of you to ask, and I and I do appreciate that too. Thank you. Yeah, man. Well, that's what we love here at uh, Deluxe yeah. Edition. We love the behind the scenes stuff of Hollywood. So we appreciate you uh, a lot. That's nice to hear. Thanks. Thank you, man. Yep. Good luck. Thank you. Bye bye.